It is my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. Today, we're going to be talking about the seven digital nomad communities to make lifelong travel friends. Before we do that, though, let's we've got Diego and Marissa. We've got a rare, we've got a rare combination of all three of us together in the same time zone, which is very, very exciting. Marissa and Diego, where are you dialing in from today? I am in Costa Rica currently. So I'm here with a group of 20 or in total 24 digital nomads. So obviously this is going to become, this is going to be a part of what we're going to be talking about today as well, because it kind of slots in very nicely to today's topic. How about you, Marissa? I am coming from the States and I know if you're listening, you can't see our faces, but Diego's got a beautiful background with like these pretty gardens and flowers and tropical beauty in Costa Rica, but I am not as exciting today back in the States. And Jeff, we know where you are, but where are you today? I'm back in Medellin. I was in Northern California. My toes were starting to get a little cold. I said, to hell with this. I am out of here. I'm going back somewhere warm. <laughs> so... Here I am. Okay, so let's get back to the topic here. Today, we're going to be talking about community, which is so, so important to us. And really, it's the reason why the majority of people that I know became digital nomads. It's the reason why I became a digital nomad. And in particular, I tried doing it on my own when I first went out working alone. I went and traveled alone for a little bit and realized, God, this is this is terrible. This is almost as bad as working alone at home. And then I found a digital nomad community and I thought, well, none of this matters. This whole lifestyle doesn't matter unless I can share it with people. And I wanted to be around like-minded people that were interested in experiencing new culture and going on new adventures and talking about awesome business plans. And as a result of that, I ended up finding Wi-Fi Tribe and I found Diego and Marissa, and we were, the community was so strong, we decided to build a business on top of our friendship. So that's why this is so important to us. And on top of that, we got a lot of requests and actually just off our webinar, people were asking about community, community, community. So we thought this is a podcast we have to, we have to talk about. Marissa, I know you've got a lot to say on this. So before we even get into the first one, just give me, give me your feels on what community means to you. Yeah, I have a lot of feels all about it, Jeff. And I love that it has built our friendship. We met, we all met through Wi-Fi Tribe, which will explain what that is if you're hearing these words and you're like, what are you guys even talking about? But we actually have two different stories about what community means to us when we started. So your story, as you're explaining, was you you were looking for community and then kind of started traveling with that because of it. And mine was the total reverse. I was just looking to travel. I wanted to visit all my bucket list places in the world and I didn't want to do it alone. So I was like, all right, I'll find community that can kind of like be on my journey while I travel. But unexpectedly, now I feel more like you where it became one of my favorite reasons of travel, but it wasn't initially why it was it was kind of like a surprise benefit to me that I had, I didn't even know I needed or wanted. So that actually gives me goosebumps. So we'll talk about today. I'm really excited. We're going to share these seven different kind of, I guess, biggest players in the space at the moment of these digital nomad communities. And Diego, is the co-founder of Wi-Fi Tribe, and he's he's we give him all the credit. He's the reason the three of us met, and he's the reason we met so many friends. So I want to kick it over to Diego just before we actually jump into the seven, just to kind of explain if you are listening to this and have no idea what a digital nomad community is or why you might join it or what even is an option out there for you. So many people ask, like, you know, isn't it lonely when you travel? How do you find communities? So I want to kick it over to Diego to even just explain like why Wi-Fi Tribe started in the beginning and just, yeah, just a general space of the landscape. And then we'll jump into these top seven ones in a little bit more detail. So over to you, Diego. I feel like a newscaster. <laughs> yeah, we're just 
passing the ball on. Well, no, it's been incredible actually to hear sort of the two different angles, the two different sides that you guys both came from. And maybe I can now give you sort of the third one, which is my perspective, which is also slightly different from that, but but kind of related. And I think that if we just put these three together, everybody who's listening in will be able to see that this is kind of like everything that you can think of that engulfs how, you know, why it is that we even seek this out in the first place. So in my case, it was well, this was now seven years ago almost, and I'd just been trying to, you know, build a, build a few different startups back then. They all miserably failed. <laughs> and I was done with it. I had, you know, I hadn't really been, I loved, I loved travel. My whole life, I kind of grew up traveling as a kid as well. And I hadn't really done any of that in a long time. And I sort of just, yeah, but because I was all just focused and, and just doing the working part, I kind of didn't even have the chance to to really spend time with people, with friends. Even the networking part was kind of failing. So then at some point, I just realized I've got to, I've got to make a change in that lifestyle. And I kind of shelved the whole startup thing and said, never again. Well, that's not quite right. I said, in five years, right? I'm way in the future. I'm going to come back to startups and decided I was just going to, I was going to become a freelancer because I'd done a bit of marketing. So I reached out to my uncle and he luckily hired me for, for his company. I was a bit of a disaster, but over time got a little bit better. And then I messaged, I emailed about a hundred friends of mine at that time and said, guys, do you, do you want to come over to, to Bolivia? We have this house there. I used to go there as a kid a lot. I can show you around. And if you've got any work, bring it along and we can just do it there and we can just live there for a month. Right. And so that was that was really the early part of that. So you can see at that point, I was I guess I was missing missing the community aspect, missing the people, missing the travel part. And I wanted something that would let me to work on something that I care about. Right. And so if you put those three kind of wants together, really, the only thing that comes out of it is is exactly this. It's a, you know, a group of people living together for an, for a certain amount of time exploring a new country as they as they live there and everybody just goes about their normal day-to-day life in terms of still having a job right and that's the key part the key difference i think between all the other stuff in this digital nomad lifestyle is that you're not on holiday right it's not an escape from from something it is an alternative way of living and that's yeah that was really the the beginning of it and then now here we are seven years later almost in the same place where we started because our very second our our second trip was nicaragua which is around the corner here so yeah that's that's kind of just how it how it came about and i think i'm gonna i want to drop one more thing in there that just maybe helps people to kind of understand what it really is when a lot of people join they'll they'll say after all that oh Oh, this is a little bit like when I first went to college or to university. Like everybody's coming in, everybody's got that energy of meeting each other, and everybody's kind of like in a new stage of their lives, and they connect, and then you know you you move on in in that next stage of life together, right? So that's a nice way to think about it. And another one, some people kind of mentioned that idea of like you know like a camp, like a summer camp or something like that. But but from you know from the adults' perspective of it, however you look at it, or I don't know, reality TV, real life or something like that. But that maybe gives you a few different anchors to understand what this lifestyle is about. At the end of the day, it's about just going through life with a group of yeah, just great people and not doing this whole thing alone. So yeah. I love that. And it is a little bit hard to explain. And I think as we get into each of the individual ones, it will start to make more sense. Because I know when I talk about Wi-Fi Tribe, even when someone says, what is it? It's kind of, it's really hard to explain because it's very different than most people are living or know that is possible. So we'll get into, if you're still kind of wondering, like, what exactly does this mean? I think you'll, you'll really start to get it when we explain each of these individual ones, because they do vary a little bit. So with that, I guess, Jeff, should we kick off the list? Yeah, let's start with number one. Let's let's talk about what what is Wi-Fi Tribe and how does it work? Oh, you guys put us first. <laughs> it's our favorite. Um, we're a little biased, but we're going to start there. <laughs> a lot biased. We'll just throw a out that disclaimer. Biased. Yes, that's disclaimer. Just, that's just tough. All right. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. And I'm going to stand by that. So we're sticking with it. Oh, guys, I'm going to tear up. <laughs> All right. Already let's, have. Let's, the factual uh, part, Diego. Factually, go. Fact- what is Wi-Fi Tribe? <laughs> what, what is Wi-Fi Tribe? Well, right now it is 24 people working remotely from Costa Rica. I think that's about as simple and straightforward and factual as I can get. During the week, we're working Monday through Friday. Most afternoons, we're kind of cooking together or we go out to the beach to play volleyball together. And then in the weekends, we'll head out to explore you know, some some destination over here. Here we went to Panama, to Bocas del Toro, which is a little island, one of the weekends, and we're thinking about doing rafting another weekend. So this gives you an idea, it kind of paints a picture of what it, what it is at the end of the day. It's a group of people 
living normal life, but in a different destination and doing these adventures. So instead of, you know, maybe going to the cinema one weekend, you're going to go out to, to some, I don't know, some big boat trip on an island or something like that, right? So it's just bringing a little bit more adventure into, into life as well. And that's the, the very sort of factual stuff. If you take that sort of one step further, it's all really about what happens when you bring people together like that. What happens, especially when you bring people together intentionally and you have a, a very specific idea of who it is that you want to bring together to one place. And that I want to start with that because that is ultimately what has guided us at, in, in terms of Wi-Fi Tribe since the very beginning to try to find a way to build a community around a very specific type of person who will resonate with each other, right? So in our case, it's not about, you know, how much you're earning or what kind of job you have or where you come from or anything like that. All it's, you know, again, as diverse as possible. But the one thing that people that everybody has in common for us is this idea that there's a shared set of values, which ultimately, if you can bring together a group of people that have a shared set of values, you're going to establish a culture or a vibe in the group that everybody really resonates with. And that, that makes people just feel good being there, feel great being there and naturally fosters connection. So that's at the very core of what Wi-Fi Tribe is all about. If I'm going to get a little bit more like specific about some of those things we're currently doing, I think four or five, we call them chapters, trips at the same time. They are either four month, sorry, four weeks long, sometimes six weeks long. Sometimes we do, we even do eight week long trips. We are going around most of the world. So some of the destinations are more known as digital nomad destinations like Medellin, Playa del Carmen, you know, there's a bunch of Bali, a bunch of other places like that. And other places are a lot more adventurous like Oman, Namibia, right? And places that really aren't, if you will, on the, on the digital nomad trail. Yeah. And apart from that, I think I would say if you kind of zoom out from all of this and you stop just looking at the, the trips themselves at the very core of it is in, from my perspective, the community. And that is by far the most important thing. So Wi-Fi Tribe has over the years also evolved more and more into being just a global community of people from around the world who have remote jobs, who are living internationally, who are, you know, kind of are just living by these by these values and whether we are doing a trip together or we're just based in a in a destination somewhere around the world or we're back at home in our home base the idea is that the community is is always there and we can just you know immediately hop in say hi and someone invites us out to dinner and gets us to to meet everybody who's there in that destination at that time right so it's just community but nomadic basically I want to share a couple other logistics of that that I think you left out because there's there's so much there's just so much to share and to explain it. But I know when people ask me and kind of have trouble wrapping their head around, I always try to say it's like you explained as four weeks, kind of six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. But it's a start date and an end date for each of these, you know, quote chapters. So, for example, Diego's in Costa Rica right now with the group. I think the other groups right now are in Argentina, in Egypt. Is there one more going on, or is it those three right now? Yeah. And then there's one in Mexico and right. in Cape Town. And Cape, oh, there's five going on right now. So the cool thing about it, basically you, you do, it's kind of co-living as well, which you, you didn't quite mention where it depends on the place then you're, that you're at. So if you're in a more major city in Europe, it might be like three, four or five different apartments that you're all, you know, you might share with two or three other people. If you're in places like Bali or Bolivia, where you can find bigger houses or villas, it's really fun when everyone gets to be either in the same sort of compound or the same big house. So you really are, you know, you can have your own room, but you're, you're living with other people. So to me, it really felt like having my college roommates, you explained that a little bit, but it's so fun. And because it starts and ends on a specific date, which is different than some of the other ones we'll talk about, you really show up, you all kind of move in, in this foreign country that maybe no one's been to, maybe some people have been to before. And you sort of just have this built in, friendship, like Diego said, that the values of people who join it are just, they're going to be the people that you're seeking out because they've seeked out this lifestyle too. So I remember the very first one I joined in Bali, it was probably five years ago, something like that. Now, I remember I landed at like two in the morning, somebody stayed up and like, let me in the house. Cause I think I had to come a day or two late. And the next morning I woke up on the other side of the world being like, where the hell am I? I don't know anyone. What have I done? And immediately there was people, you know, there was this group, I think there was 11 of us in that particular one. 
And I had someone, they were like, come out to breakfast with me. And then we went, I went to the gym with somebody. I was working all day right away with these group of people. I went to dinner with everybody. And so when you travel, yes, it's always easy to meet people. But a lot of people, especially if you think about backpackers or even some nomads who don't join communities like this, you find very fleeting friends. You might find this really awesome person who you overlap for a day or two, and then they disappear off somewhere else. And the wonderful thing about most of these communities, but especially Wi-Fi Tribe, in my opinion, is you go and you spend a month with these people and it's like immediate friendships, but like real friendships and real people as if you just landed with 10 of your best friends to travel in a new place. And it's really special and really magical in a way that's hard to explain until you do it. But it, it to me, I don't know if I've shared this before because we haven't done my full story, but I was supposed to, I was engaged, I was going to get married. And instead of like a honeymoon, my boyfriend and I, or fiance at the time, whoever he was, we were going to quit our jobs and travel the world for six months. And I I left that engagement, but I still wanted to travel. And I'm totally capable of traveling alone. I've done a lot of it. But as Jeff said, like, I don't like it. It's not as fun to me. And so this was a way where I could just land immediately. And it's the same for a lot of these um, different communities we'll talk about, but just have this built in group of people where I'm going to live for a month, like from the start. So it's just one less thing that you sort of have to deal with when you travel. But Jeff, anything else? It's it's complicated to explain. So we want to get to all of them as well. But Jeff, do you have anything to add either to Wi-Fi Tribe or just in general? We've tried to be objective as possible, but it it is an impossible thing. You're trying to be objective (laughs) about something that is is intrinsically emotional. It's an emotional thing. And for me, you described like just walking in, to a friendship of 10 years. That's exactly what it was. And I'm I'm full circle back around where I started. I'm back in Medellin and I'm actually right down the street from a cafe where I met my first couple Wi-Fi drivers. And oh. it was like picking up a conversation with an old friend from like yeah. a year ago. And we didn't skip a beat. I walked in, it was like, oh, hey, what's going on? And we just immediately, there was no small talk. It was just all big talk. Oh, I'm working on this. I'm working oh, on this. Talk. Yeah, it's a big difference. We didn't start talking about the weather or anything like that. We immediately engaged in our interests and come to find out we already we had very, very similar interests. We had very similar worldviews and a a bunch more people came into the cafe. I'm like, oh, my God, it does. It does feel like college, except in college, you get a mixed bag of people that you very much like and a lot of people you very much dislike. There's none of them. Like I was, it was like a, a whole group of my best friends, like walking down the stairs. Mike Dane used to say this, a guy that we had on the podcast earlier. It's like walking downstairs and finding 15 of your best friends waiting to say hi to you. That's what it feels Aww. like every single day. <laughs> so it, I can't be objective about it because it's the best decision <laughs> I've ever made and yeah. the best friends that I've ever made. I still travel with all the time. You know, I don't yeah. always do chapters, but the people that I've, I travel with and the places that I return to were all the result of the community that I built with Wi-Fi Tribe or Wi-Fi Tribe helped help me build. I'm getting a little sappy. Maybe we should maybe we should jump in. <laughs> so yeah. okay, so we've we've got Wi-Fi Tribe and we've, yeah. We've pretty much Can I share one more thing before we move on, Jeff, about sort of the reason yeah. I chose Wi-Fi Tribe to start? And again, we are we are biased, but because you know Jeff and Diego started it, of course, but. Jeff and I unbiasedly, you know, we had all the options to choose from and and we chose Wi-Fi Tribe. And the reason I chose it when I started was I I couldn't have even imagined the lifelong friends I would make. And like Jeff said, they're all the people that I, whether I'm on a chapter or not, there's probably a hundred people who I'm still traveling with today on and off. And, you know, a smaller subset of that are, are my favorite best friends who I travel with. Right. But in addition to that, the reason I chose it to start was twofold. One, the flexibility. So I loved like with Wi-Fi Tribe, you can do it for one month a year or you could do seven back to back if you wanted. And I didn't know how long I wanted to be traveling. And I really liked the flexibility that I could show up and do, you know, just one of them or two back to back and then, you know, go home for three months if I wanted and jump into another one. So I really loved that. And I also had read a blog post. This is how I found Wi-Fi Tribe. Someone who had been in Costa Rica, this was many years ago, funny you're back there now, but she was saying that the reason, you know, she was just writing about her experience for the month and she was explaining what Jeff said, which is, it just, it feels like a family. And I think probably, again, this is our biased opinion, but it's why I joined and I, I do still feel this way. Probably more than some of the other communities we'll talk about, it really feels like a family, whether you're on a chapter or not. So you join it and you start to get to know these people, but like our, if I'm in a foreign country, 
and I have a friend of a friend from Wi-Fi Tribe who's like also just in the community, but I've never met before. It's like immediately, those are my people. And They're that's, in. yeah, that's, that's the two main reasons I joined it. So yeah, I just wanted to share that, but let's, yeah. Shall we move on to number two? <laughs> yeah, this was a this was a big deal, and we are not trying to pitch Wi-Fi Tribe. I no. promise you, this is all genuine from the heart. These are yeah. based on real experiences. I'm sitting right here now, podcasting because of Wi-Fi Tribe. So, in case there's any questions, we clear that one up. <laughs> all right, let's jump into number two. Let's talk a little bit about remote year. Yeah, so I can kick it off and. We're going to try to be just FYI. We've done some of them. We'll talk about like the ones that we've joined or not. So some of these are just anecdotally what we know because we, Jeff and I chose Wi-Fi Tribe and, you know, travel with it mostly. And obviously Diego (laughs) travels with Wi-Fi Tribe because it's his company, but it's going to, this episode is going to be a little less opinionated and (laughs) like our hard truths, like you're used to us giving if you listen, but just some factual information for you to kind of explore and see what might be right for you. So with remote year, I have not done remote year. Jeff has not done remote year and Diego obviously has not done remote year. So this is, that being said, there's a lot of remote year people who later join the Wi-Fi tribe community who we've traveled with. You know, people do do multiple ones. I have lived with, dated and traveled with many remote year people. So here's what I can kind of say about it. When I first started, this was, it's, a, it's one of the bigger names in the space. Probably if you've heard of any of these, you've heard of remote year. When I first started, many years ago, it used, it's called remote year because it used to be a 12 month program. It used to be, you signed up for a full year of it. And each month you would go to a different location that they set up for you. And it was a specific, you know, this is the 12 months. These are the 12 countries you go to. And when, when I first started, I mentioned a little bit about wanting flexibility. I didn't know when I first started, if I wanted to do a full 12 months back to back like that. And they were also going to some countries that I just wasn't the most excited about. And I, I thought to myself, if I'm going to do, I did four months when I first started just to sort of test it out. Now it's been like five, six, seven years, eight years. I don't even know how long, but I didn't want to necessarily go to all the places that I would have had to go to on that. Since then, they now offer four month sort of like back-to-back sessions or they do, I believe, one-off chapters as well too. I'm not sure if you can join that as a first time or if you have to be a part of it. Do you know, Diego? I, I think you can probably join them from a first as a first time. So, At least that's you know. what I've kind of heard from other people. And yeah, yeah. they do one month programs now too. Exactly. Yeah. So it's getting a little bit more flexible. But that said, I know I have again spent a lot of time with remote your people. It sort of becomes like remote your Wi-Fi tribe. Once we've all done a lot of it, we all run in similar circles. And like I said, people end up coming from remote year and doing Wi-Fi tribe afterwards. So we have a ton of really good friends who have done remote year too. And the people who did that full year, like the OG groups back in the day, will say there's something really special about like, imagine spending, I mean, if when we spend one month on Wi-Fi Tribe, it is friends for life and people like you will know more about these people than you could ever possibly imagine. So imagine doing that, like with the exact same group of people for 12 months on end, like you will be, you might like some people and dislike some people, but the most part you're going to be like a really solid family you have experiences with for life. It's like a fraternity. It's like your bond for life. And people really do love that. So if you're thinking you want a year long experience with all these same people to go back to back to back to back to back, that might be something that's good for you. But otherwise, they now do offer sort of similar chapter type experiences as Wi-Fi Tribe. Again, we're biased to Wi-Fi Tribe because it's what we've done and we love it and we love the people. But yeah, it is another option out there. So sometimes even just logistically, maybe remote yours going to a location that fits into your schedule, the month you want to go somewhere at that time. And it might, you know, you might choose it for that reason. But that's sort of factually, it's very similar now to, I guess, Wi-Fi Tribe in a way. (laughs) But there are some differences, yeah, just in the the people and the accommodations, what's included. Diego, do you want to include, talk any maybe factually about like what's included in remote year versus not? Yeah, and I'll do my best because I'm sure there's going to be some things that I'll miss. So I do encourage yeah. everybody to really go go to the website, you know, have a look at all the details. And I'm sure there's a breakdown of what's included. But what remote year, some significant things that remote year includes as well is if you're doing any of the longer journeys, so say four or the 12 months, then the flights between those are going to be included as well. There's also always a separate co-working space that they include too. And that, again, depends on what your, what your needs and, and wants are. But 
it can sometimes be nice to know that you've got your accommodation and separately to that you've got your co-working space some for some people it's also more productive to know i'm, I'm moving from one place to the next to, to be able to do my work so I think those are probably the most notable things, but then there's also specific programming. And I believe that there are people on site who, you know, are organizing more of those things for you. And this is actually maybe a good chance as well to just specify one of those nuances that I think is quite important between between how we do it. It's that with Wi-Fi Tribe, it is, it is very much self-organized. It's a, it's a, everybody has to chip in, you know, co-create the experience, co-create all of it. Whereas remote year has more of those things programmed out for you. So that's certainly one thing to have a think about as well, which of those you lean towards a little bit more. Yeah. yeah so and that's a, I, a good um, point. Oh, go Jeff. Yeah, from what I understand about it, it's, it's more of a, you don't have to think about it, a little bit more handholding and just the trip is a little bit outlined for you. You've kind of got guardrails. Yeah. So if you're a little bit more unsure or nervous about well, I don't know which flight to book and I don't know, you know, where exactly I want to go or or I don't want to book any of the adventures or the trips or stuff. This one's got guardrails for you from what I understand. Yeah, I was going to say something similar and it can seem, I know hearing that it might be like, oh, it's nice. Everything is planned for me and there's definitely a benefit to that. And again, if you're newer and just want to have the things done for you and then on the flip side with Wi-Fi Tribe, so again, it's nice not to think about things sometimes, but it is also kind of cool with Wi-Fi Tribe to say, all right, like, what do we collectively want to do this weekend? Let, like, let us plan it. And you have a little bit, I don't like when people tell me what to do. <laughs> Just in general, the boys know this about me. So I like that kind of have the freedom. But if you're someone who does just say like, hey, I want to show up, I want my flight booked, I want to be told here's this option, choose it or not, then that might be for you. So again, one isn't necessarily better or worse. They're just a little bit different. And yeah, we just want, we're trying to describe what those differences are. So yeah, I think that's, that's great for remote year. Anything else? I, I lean the same way as you pretty much. I, I want an open, I want like an open yeah. schedule where I can pick and choose. The second somebody tells me not to do something, that's the first thing I'm going to do always. <laughs> but there's, I know plenty of people that also want a nice, perfect cookie cutter experience. Yeah. And, you, and that's available. And that's really, really cool that that's available. Number three, let's talk about Hacker Paradise. Yeah. Diego, do you want to kick this off with some of the factual parts? And then I'll add on some just anecdotal stuff from friends. Yeah, so I'll try my best. I haven't really been in touch with them in quite a while. I, I did actually sort of referring back to Remote Year before. I, we had a I had a recent call with with their COO as well, especially since sort of has has or they've kind of joined forces with Selena. But I haven't had the chance to talk to the Hacker Paradise people in quite a while. I think probably. Like we must have seen each other five years ago. Last time we kind of bounced into each other serendipitously in the same place. But from what I from what I understand, it is so you have more options of kind of breaking down the, the your stay. I think there's two week options. I think there's four week options, six week options. So it seems to be a little bit more flexible in that sense. And from what I saw, at, at least this was sort of last time I checked that you could come at different times as well. So you might have some people that are there for the full four weeks or six weeks, and some people that are there for you know the last two weeks or the first. That's the kind of feel that I got. So that's quite interesting. And it's a little different from many of the others in the space in that it gives you a little bit more flexibility there. And then again, I'm just I'm just sort of passing forward what I've understood from them. I from from what other tribers have said as well. So it seems that they also are, are very good at doing more of the programming, right? So they might have more things mapped out, more of an idea of like, you know, on you know, on this day we're doing this, then we're doing that, then there's this kind of program. And, and that can be quite helpful, especially if you feel like you need that extra little nudge to, you know, to, to to start engaging and start talking to people. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I can say there. They don't include flights. I do believe that they include a separate co-working space. So those are maybe some of the sort of more factual things that I can contribute here. But yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else that you guys know that you could add to that? Can we make any comments on locations? Do we know if these between Remote Year, Hacker Paradise, Wi-Fi Tribe are offering different or overlapping locations? Any of these particularly unique Interesting. Yeah. So it used to be that that we were a little bit more experimental in the destinations we would go to. So we'd be going to to sort of places that are a lot more off the beaten path. I've seen that Remote Year has started to add more of those locations in as well. And I think I wonder whether it has something to do with their partnership with Selena now, too. That just opens up a few more things for them. Hacker Paradise, I... I wouldn't be able to tell, but generally it seems like many of the destinations are are similar that we are going to. I think they might have a little bit fewer destinations currently at the same time. Something 
we can check real quick on the website as well to get a feel for and can maybe circle back around to this in a minute or so. Yeah. And from what I've seen, I like to be like on everyone's email list and just like from friends and whatnot for Hacker Paradise, it does seem like more of those sort of starter locations. Like you talked about Medellin and Bali and just like some of those more basic ones. Whereas for me, you know, as a nomad of, of many years, I'm really like, I always will ha- now have friends from Wi-Fi Tribe, whoever from nomads just in those locations and don't need to do a chapter now because I've been traveling and doing this for so long. And what I love with Wi-Fi Tribe is joining like more of those off the beaten path ones. Like, like we, we did Oman, we just did Mauritius, things like that. So I do think, I still do believe that Wi-Fi Tribe does kind of those more, you do the the starter locations, but also some of those more exotic ones, I'll call it, where it's just really nice to have a community that would be hard to find as a digital nomad otherwise. And then to add a little bit to Hacker Paradise, again, I haven't personally done it, but from what I understand, I have some really good friends who did Hacker Paradise first and actually then joined Wi-Fi Tribe and that's where I met them. I know it's sort of, I believe this is like, again, our anecdotal facts that aren't actually facts, but I think it started the name Hacker Paradise because it was more of like the sort of like software development, like people who tended to work remotely in that space were kind of getting together in that way. And then it sort of turned into something a little bit more on the Wi-Fi Tribe, like open to just travelers in general. But I don't know if they still do this from this was years ago, like my friends did it anecdotally then they did offer more we call them skill shares at Wi-Fi Tribe where we just kind of like we'll share our own sort of like when we were in Bolivia Jeff is an, an SEO marketing expert like he's like I'm going to teach you all about SEO for an hour anyone who wants to join come whereas Hacker Paradise they almost have like official people there and have official it's more like business businessy like they have these official like if you're starting a business and want to learn about this or if you want to do this it's like those things are sort of mastermindy kind of like teaching almost like a retreat to like get you almost like a boot camp to get started to start a business that's where their roots are i don't know how much that all still exists like to be totally candid so do a little bit of research but that's where it's the roots are based in and i think that they probably still do a little bit of that but again if you're listening <laughs> we're doing our best the best that we can to share like what's out there still and they do still exist and go to these places for you know two four six weeks at a time so we can definitely tell you that, but do a little bit of research to see like what they're offering still. But I know that's where they started. And something for the audience who's going to become digital nomads eventually. Regarding locations, we do have a podcast on starter locations, which is really, really good for beginning, like first first place to go digital nomad kind of thing. And you will find as you go along, some of these places just through repetition become easier and easier and easier. Like for example, I'm at Medellin now, Mexico City, Costa Rica, some of these spots become a little bit more familiar and a little bit easier. So that's why Marissa was saying, you know, we we tend to lean towards the more exotic locations as you become more comfortable with some of the more common locations. So for example, you're not going to just jump into a trip to Bolivia. That's not a place where you just go. Like you, this is really helpful when you've got communities that will take you to and, and structure some of these places. They're a little bit more difficult, a little bit more advanced for digital nomads. So just something to watch out for as you're looking at some of these locations that are being offered by these different companies as to like where you're at in your digital nomad journey. Yeah. And that was episode 10. I just looked at Jeff is Thank referring you. to, which is the top six starter locations for digital nomads. It's one of our most popular episodes that people love. So yeah, check that out. And I think let's move on to number four. Yeah, number four is Nomad Base. Yeah, so I can hop into this one because I've got some experience here. And we'll say Nomad Base and Nomad Cruise are part of the same company. So it used to be Nomad Cruise is where they got their start. And then COVID happened and cruises were not happening. (laughs) And pretty much I feel like they're just sort of getting back into the swing of things. So the founder of Nomad Cruise started something called Nomad Base during this time. So I'm going to explain both because I've done a little bit of, this is when I have actually personally joined. So whereas Wi-Fi Tribe, Remote Year, and Hacker Paradise are sort of like month long or call it, you know, four or six weeks, something like that experiences where you go to a country and you are with, you know, anywhere from maybe 10 to 20, 25 people, something like that for a certain amount of time. Nomad Cruise and Nomad Base are, are very different. So Nomad Cruise used to happen just twice a year, I think. And now Nomad Base, I think, is happening three times a year. And they're just going to start their... I think I just saw a notification that they're going to start their cruises again. But the first cruise I went on is basically 
call it, it depends on which the location is, how many days it is, but it might be anywhere from 200 to 500 people who are part of the cruise specifically for like going as nomads. So there's some other people on the cruise too, but you almost feel like they don't, they don't exist. It's, it's mostly you're there with the people. And I say that because that's way, way bigger than what you're going to find in these other kind of month long experiences. And there's pros and cons to that. But with that group, I would say about 50% of people who are attending Nomad Cruise and Nomad Base are aspiring digital nomads and 50% are already nomads. So it's kind of one of the only places where you get this really cool mix of it, if that's what you're looking for. So if you are listening to this and you're not yet a nomad, some people will take actual, like crazy thought, take vacation days and use it to go say, like, I want to learn from people who are already nomads. I want to surround myself with people who are living this lifestyle. And I cannot think of a more inspirational way. You know, people always say, you are the people you spend, you know, the five people you spend your most time with. So if, if you're surrounded by people who don't think this life is possible, who don't believe in it, it's a really cool place to go. And I explain Nomad Cruise as it's almost like a business conference on a boat <laughs> with all nomads. So there's actually, I don't know how many, anywhere from three to six sort of speeches or workshops that go on, you know, 30 minute or hour long yeah, I would say talks from some really awesome, inspiring nomads who have, it, it can be more entrepreneurial in my mind, who have started a business. It's really a lot of people who want to learn to start their own businesses, see what other people are doing, learn different, you know, marketing skill sets or SEO or Airbnb or Amazon, you know, just like all the different things that people are talking about, as well as some sort of mindset stuff. So yeah, it's more it's more like a conference, I would say, but it is a cool way. Like I, I do know a lot of people who started their nomad journey with Nomad Cruise and the way that Jeff and I talk about, you know, Wi-Fi Tribe are our people who we travel with for the last, you know, five, six years. A lot of people have that same community with Nomad Cruise. And to me, it, it in my honest opinion, it's not the same family because it's just not the same as living living for a month side by side with people. You just can't replicate that. But it is a really good way if you want to quickly get a lot of people in your network, right? You, you have an ability to meet, you know, 100 people that you can then travel with. And then a lot of people will stay. So let's say the cruise mine ended, I think, in Lisbon. I stayed there for three weeks. A lot of people will stay. Sometimes it ends in Brazil. Sometimes it ends in Dubai. Like, it just depends where you go. But people will then stay and sort of unofficially, you know, live together, hang together for another couple weeks or travel around that country afterwards. So it feels more like you're taking time off from work. It's not really as much like you're not working while you're there. It's interesting. Yeah, but it's just, it's, it's a different way, but it is a good way to meet community. And there are a couple friends and people who I've met from there who I do still keep in touch with and travel with for sure. And then Nomad Base, just to give a quick context to that, this year I actually attended in Playa del Carmen in Mexico, and then they did one in Croatia over the summer, and then they did one in South Africa, I believe it was last month. And the the conference itself, it's, it's really like a conference. So it's like a three, four day conference where there's different events, speeches, you get together. It is on land and they do some excursions, you know, traveling. So it's, it's trying to sort of replicate what they had with Nomad Cruise, but on land in a certain place. And then people also will stay and travel together. So yeah, those are kind of grouped into one. But do you guys have any questions? Is there anything I didn't explain well from that? Everything that I've heard about Nomad Cruise, it, it feels like the seven layers or the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. You, you, you know <laughs> that? Somebody knows somebody that knows somebody that's been on Nomad Cruise at some point. And yeah. Every time the story comes back around to me in some way, it all comes back around to networking. And everybody says yeah. it is an awesome, awesome networking opportunity. And people have made businesses yeah. off of it. They made amazing business yeah. connections. Yeah, suppose like it's it's almost it, it almost doesn't quite fit in the list. It does, but it's it's a it's a different it's a different beast completely. Yeah. And maybe one more question, just in case you have any information on this. Do you do you happen to know if there is, because you, you had a, this great chance to just talk about the, the cruise itself, right? Which is where it all mm -hmm. started. Do you have any idea if that's something that's coming back soon? Has the has the guy talked about that at all? Do you, do you know if, because yeah. of course that would be really interesting. I think, I'm pretty, like, I want to say even a week or two ago, I don't remember if it was on Instagram or an email that I saw, maybe both, but I, I, I feel like they hinted, like it's coming back, like be ready. So they didn't say which oh, one it is. Good. They didn't say it's the yeah. chills. So yeah, I think that it is coming back soon now that the cruise industry with COVID is open again and 
I know the boats that they used, I think like that company is no longer in service because there used to be specific routes that they would just sort of do. So it might be, yeah, I don't know exactly what's in store, where it's going to be with the, like, yeah, where it's going to go from, but I'm pretty sure. So we're recording this, what month is it? December of 2022. So it's coming back soon. So depending on when you're listening to this, give it a check out if it sounds interesting. Nomad Base definitely exists still a couple times a year, but the cruise, I believe, should be back in action soon, which is cool because it's a it's a more um, confined experience. If I think about when I was in Playa on the Nomad Base, I had a lot of fr- Wi-Fi tribe friends who I was like living and hanging with, and I was like, I don't, you know, I can kind of disappear and not see all those people. But when you're on a cruise, it's just a better, I guess, like a more confined way, to, the same way as kind of that month long where you're living with people. So you just, I think, form deeper, quicker relationships with people. So it's, it's, they're both cool in their own ways, but the Nomad Cruise is it's, its own special thing, and that should be back soon. And number five, we've got Outsight, which is a really interesting option, because if you go to their website, you can actually pull up a map. You can say, book a map, book a spot now, and you have to become a member, of course. But you can go in there and just like going to booking.com, you can pick a location and you can pick the actual dates that you want to go. So unlike when you're going with Wi-Fi Tribe, you've got your your month to up to six weeks. Diego, what's the max now? About six weeks, eight weeks or so? That's right. Yeah, we'll, yeah or we'll do two months in a row. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this one's mm-hmm. a little bit more like customized self-select what I want to do by by days. So if you're looking for the opposite end of, this, of the spectrum, you'd have a remote year, which would be the long-term three month plus type of thing. In the middle, you've got Wi-Fi Tribe, which you're looking at about four weeks to six weeks or so. And then you've got Outside, where you can go and book just a number of days. So if you're looking for ultimate flexibility, this is a pretty interesting option. Diego? Yeah, that's. I think that's a great way to to describe it. And I would say in that sense, it's also quite different from these these other things that we've been talking about so far. So it's just really nice to have this option to be able to talk about. So they had initially most of their properties around the U.S., And so that's also where most of those people came from initially. But now you're starting to see these properties coming into, there's in Lisbon, Bali. So bit by bit, they're coming into, and and some, I think, in Central America, they're coming into other places in the world as well. So that that network itself is expanding. So the way I would kind of describe it is to say, well, it's actually a network of co-living houses around the world that you can access as a digital nomad. So that's that's a yeah a really cool concept as such. I don't know if this is different now, but initially they had a part that was, so they would have basically members only that could book and anybody could book on Airbnb. And I don't know, maybe booking.com as well. So you would have a mix of the people there. And over time, more people would probably swing, swing into, the, into that membership. I don't know how that is now, whether it's kind of shifted to it only being a members thing currently. So I'm not sure if either of you have some, some insight into that or just anything else to add really. I have some stuff to add. I actually don't know recently because I haven't stayed in one in a long time, but I did stay after Nomad Cruise when I landed in Lisbon, a bunch of us stayed at the outside. It was a brand new one there. And what I'll add to it, it, it's sort of, if you think about if you are backpacking and going to a hostel, right? The point of doing that is you get there and there's other kind of like-minded people who you know will be just easy to make friends with. They're also traveling and backpacking. And to me, outside is sort of like the, the digital nomad version of that, where it's, again, it's not a community from start to finish on certain dates, but when you go, you sort of know that the other people there are likely going to be digital nomad kind of people. So it has the benefit of, to me, it's almost like a hotel where the other guests are going to be digital nomads. And often, I don't know if every single one of them, but the ones that I've stayed at have co-working spaces that at least in the past, you had to pay additional for them, but they were on site, which is just really nice. So the other wonderful part about this, you know, we've talked a lot on the podcast and other episodes of just the importance of having good Wi-Fi when you land in a place and a place that you're just going to feel pretty good in. So a lot of times outside is just a place that you know is going to be a pretty nice modern-ish, like they've got a certain style to it. And you like it is built for digital nomads in mind. So you know the Wi-Fi is going to be good, which is, you know, top of importance. So if you are just like, oh, I think I randomly want to book a flight to, you know, whether they have some in California and Lisbon, you know, all over the world, Central America, I think they're expanding more in Europe and other places. But if you're just saying, you know, I don't really know anyone, I'm not ready to join one of these groups, I just want to go somewhere for two weeks and work, like, or, or four days in between my vacation, whatever, it's a good place just to go and stay. And like, you'll find some other people where you can have some cool adventures, but it's definitely not the same 
community. Like they're not going to be your lifelong best friends because people are kind of coming and going. You might overlap with someone for a day or three days, but it's just like a, a, a hotel where you're going to find other people who are like you and just have a good couple of days. And, and people do sometimes stay for two weeks a month. Like you can, but the other people are going to be coming and going. That's a good, just dip your toes in the water. Total flexibility. Yeah. yeah. And I just got the map up right now. You've got all the normal, like easy starter digital nomad hotspots in Portugal. You've got a bunch of Costa Rica, a bunch in the States. So if you just want to give it a shot and say, do I like this travel and working thing? Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of an easy, low risk way to go. Yeah. But yeah, don't think it will be your lifelong friends. So if you do it and you're like, I didn't make friends, I'm going to be lonely. Like, don't don't let that be your only judgment of what a nomad community can be, but do use Good it as point. sort of a jumping off point. Yeah. Good point. A complete opposite end of the spectrum. Just getting your feet wet, but realize that there there are other options that could be like big, big community building type of thing. Just just a different offering. Let's jump into number six. Lena. Selena has a very interesting story. Marissa, do you want to lead off with Selena and your and what you know about it? Yeah, so I have, I'm trying to think how many I've stayed at. I think I've only stayed at one Selena, and that was in Panama, in Boca del Toro, where Diego just was like a week or so ago. And they actually have two locations there. One of them is in a really backpackery sort of place, and the other one's on this remote little island where I stayed there because sort of like outside, you can trust Selena to have good Wi-Fi, and that is important to me as a nomad. And I was in Boca del Toro, Panama, many years ago now. And I I wanted to stay on this little island where there almost was nothing, like there wasn't anywhere else. There's almost no other hotels there, but it's the only one that had Wi-Fi. So that was sort of why I joined it to was start. Was that Red, red Leaf? Like Red Leaf? Island? Red Frog. Red Frog. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Okay. You know, Red Frog Island. Red it was something. a really special... <laughs> read something. So I actually went with Murray, who I think was episode number seven or something like that. A friend who at the same time, Diego was on a chapter with me in Thailand back in 2018. And Murray and I met and lived on Red Frog Island for like three weeks. It was just the two of us. And I I did a lot of work and it was just a super chill sort of three weeks on a beautiful little island. But in general, Selena is, I guess, technically a hostel. That's where it started. But it's, it's a weird, it's weird to, I think of a hostel as a very, you know, like when I was 22 and out of college and just backpacking around Europe or something like that and just wanted something really cheap. But Selena does have, I think there are still like bunk options the same way, you you know, rooms of four people, six people, eight people, whatever. But they also have individual rooms that are pretty nice now in some places. Like they've got some good decor. And for me, it's really just a place of like, if you're traveling by yourself, sort of like outside and you just want a place where you know they're going to have strong Wi-Fi. They do sort of have community events where you're, you know they have some good common space, usually a restaurant and a co-working space that you can easily meet other people. Again, in my opinion, these are not going to be your lifelong friends. But for example, when I was living in Panama at the Selena, there was a handful of us who always worked in the same co-working space every day. So we just kind of became friends and like would do activities together. And I just saw another one of those guys in South Africa, I guess, earlier this year. So that was like three years later. So I did keep in touch with one, but it's not like my best friends. It's not like you guys. It's it's just kind of, again, a place if you are going somewhere, if you're new to this, you don't want to join a community, but you just want to start somewhere you can trust the Wi-Fi and you know you're going to meet other sort of like-minded people. But it's more, on, on the scale of everything that we're sharing, it leans more towards hostel and some of that younger kind of, it's not always a party vibe, but like there's going to be more of that if that's what you want. But I'll kick it over to Diego to share anything else you want to share. Yeah, sure. Maybe again, to just put it into context, it might help to kind of put it on on sort of the different scales that we've been talking about so far. So you had you know, kind of, let's see, unsettled, remote year, hacker paradise, Wi-Fi tribe are much more similar in that there are these intentional times that you set aside, intentional, you know, I guess, things that are more more around, built more around community, right? And I would say that Selena and Outsight are on the opposite end of the spectrum, where it is accommodation first and community is the second thing. Mm-hmm. That's right? a good way to put it. And, and I'd say Selena is even further on that end of the spectrum than Outsight. For example, because outside has just again, it's it, the filter is more on digital nomads, and it's more it's smaller spaces, it's smaller houses and homes. It feels more like a home. So it's just gonna, con, it's more conducive to building community. Whereas Selena, think of it even more as a, I would say as a, 
as a, somewhere between a hostel and a hotel, if you will. And it does have obviously these common areas and things that'll be organized and done there that you can that you can plug yourself into. So again, this is me just trying to think about some of the, the straightforward stuff and some of the factual things I can. They do have a lot of properties around the world, a lot, and they are expanding at a very, very rapid rate. So that is going to be relatively easy to, to find as well. There's probably some in the States too. And as we were talking about, you know, dipping, dipping your toes into the, into this kind of lifestyle, it probably is one of those things where that's going to be relatively easy for you to do. You can hop in, you know, for two days, three days for a week and just check it out and just get a feeling for, am I comfortable working remotely from this place or that place, or even somewhere in the States if you wanted to. But yeah, I think I will pass it over to you, Jeff. Yeah, I want to say thoughts. one more thing as well with, or two more things with Selena is that a lot of people will also use it more as just a co-working space. So even our friends today, you might get an Airbnb in a certain place and then use it like, you know, the Wi-Fi is always good. So if you're in a city or town where, again, you have your own accommodation, but you just want to have a place where you can rely on Wi-Fi as a co-working space and meet people and they do events like you, you don't have to stay there to use it. You have to pay for it, but people use it in, in that way as well. I've used it exactly that way. I actually haven't stayed in the hotel, the hotel, the rooms, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I've worked in the co-working space and it's very, very helpful in that, in that capacity, because sometimes when you're using Airbnb and somehow you get screwed on internet and you need something in a pinch, Selena can be there and he can always guarantee that you'll be able to get good Wi-Fi there and you'll probably be able to get a quiet place to work. So that's a real positive thing. But I do want the audience to be mindful when they are going to a Selena, if you're going for the first time, that that's, you're going to get a very particular type of group of people. And a lot of them are going to be very beginner digital nomads. You're going to be in a community where it's fairly removed from the cultural elements of where you're staying. You know, it's going to be a Selena vibe. It's not going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be that local vibe, right? Because it's, they built themselves kind of like a little bubble community which can be very, very good. However, if you are looking for that more cultural experience, you're going to have to branch out of that out of that Selena bubble and go to other places and experience other things. So it can be easy to get caught up in, I'm in my little Western bubble and it's comfortable. So it's just nice to be mindful of that. It's almost, Jeff, as you say that, it's like, it almost sounds like the McDonald's of, of like co-living. So there's like sirens in the background, apologies, but awesome vibe but yeah it sort of sorry if that's if that's harsh but it does kind of remind me as you're saying like you know and sometimes there's a need for mcdonald's so people you know if you're in a foreign country and you've been <laughs> eating all the local food and you just need like i want a burger and fries i want to know what it tastes like i don't know what it is then like again that might be your experience and again there is a need for that sometimes where you're traveling where you're like i've been just in all these remote places i just need a place where i need to feel easy, feel at home, feel my Western sort of vibe. No, there's Wi-Fi. It's sort of like that. And they are, for what it's, I think we mentioned this earlier, but yeah, they bought out remote year. So that's an interesting sort of take on it as well. Just, yes, yeah, so you get like the lay of the land, but it does have its place. It is helpful for things, but they are, as Diego said, expanding really rapidly. So it is more of that McDonald's sort of like rapid expansion. And yeah, I would say there's a need for that, but it, you know, take it for what it is or isn't. Okay, I think that's a really good representation of Selena. And that's going to bring us to the final digital nomad community on the list. And that is Unsettled. Yeah. And you know what? Look, I'd love to hop in for this one real quick first, because I actually had a, that was the most recent chat I had with them with one of the founders of Unsettled. And I've, I have, I've got so much respect for these guys. They were, they were there at the very early stages when all of this kind of came together, when all of this started. And, and that was actually a really interesting time because in that first year when when we were also doing this we saw probably 100 different companies that were building out these communities come in and then within about a year it all just they all just disappeared so we were kind of keeping track of them, you know as you should and they immediately when they entered i saw them and you know like young entrepreneur at that time going like, oh we're gonna have to keep an eye out for these and i do remember thinking that because they were they they were so fantastic at how they communicated and their branding and it was clear that there was so much intent and just just passion behind what they were building and i i did have this gut feeling that these guys were going to last and it's very very interesting to see that you know 7 years later of these more than 100 companies that have come through there's five left and they're and they're one of them right so 
more specifically than what is unsettled, I would say they're also much, I'd say they're of all of the ones that we talked about today, more of a retreat. So it's a little bit more in that, in that kind of direction, but there's certainly, I would cluster them more in the group of, you know, remote year, Wi-Fi tribe, hacker paradise. So that, that kind of month long or intentional period where you're building community together. And they're really, I've, I've heard just incredible things from other people who, who've wanted to go through transformations in their lives in terms of their careers. So usually more later stage professionals who, yeah, who joined them and, and just had a really good experience in, in getting inspired and, and, and having an intentional, I think, programming from what I understand that doesn't feel so structured. So it's almost like they've figured out some kind of a way to do something structured without it feeling structured. And I think that that's, that's very remarkable, very interesting. So yeah, haven't ever been on one. But just just wanted to throw a shout out to to those guys and for for what they're doing there. And to give you some idea of where they're going, so you know, like where does this community like to visit? I've got the map up right now. They're going to be doing the British Virgin Islands, Gran Canaria, Argentina, Phuket, Bali, Medellin, Ibiza, Bali again, Tuscany, and Camino de Santiago. And you're looking at everybody wants to know prices, right? So probably around twenty four hundred bucks upwards of about thirty five hundred bucks on the high end. I want to add, just we haven't talked much about pricing, and I actually I know the least personally about Unsettled. I actually can't think. I don't know if I know anyone personally. I'm sure I do, but I can't think of anyone who's actually been on one. So I don't have much to add there. But in terms of Jeff mentioned, we haven't talked much about price, and and pricing is changing all the time. So we encourage you to go to the websites and check it out because they do differ a little bit from each one. But what I will say is, a lot of times people will look at these communities and the price that you might pay for one month is a lot more than what you could find for your own Airbnb, right? So let's say you could find an Airbnb for $1,000 a month and you might pay $1,700 a month for something like this or 2000 or whatever it might be. And a lot of people will scoff at that. And I know a lot of digital nomads who have never joined these communities and they're like, ugh, like how could you, like what's the point? Like you can get this for so much cheaper if you just do it on your own. And we, we joke sometimes at Wi-Fi Tribe that you pay for your friends. We're not paid friends. Sorry, Diego. It's just a joke, we promise. But there is some fact to it because you're paying, what you're paying for is the community. And that's why we're calling this, you know, the, the seven digital nomad communities where you're going to make these lifelong travel friends. And you don't have to pay for them forever. You know, you can pop in and out and do them as you want. But I am so grateful that I did pay more, especially in the beginning of my nomad journey to join a lot of these communities because then I have this amazing network of people that I now do go to Airbnbs and I do travel with friends and I will pop into chapters from time to time still because the community is so wonderful. And yeah, so I would just say you will, you will be paying more per month, but you're paying for people who are like, when I join a Wi-Fi tribe chapter, I don't have to spend hours and hours trying to find my own housing. I know that Wi-Fi is going to be set up. I know that I'm going to have friends. I know they're going to already have research the best neighborhoods to live in. So it takes a lot off of your plate in that way. So you're paying, I suppose, for that convenience as well. But really, you're paying for the community to be in a place where, where you know, Diego at Wi-Fi Tribe or whoever, you know, the, the companies who are setting this up have worked really hard to make it a good experience for you. And it is so worth paying for that. Like, I wholeheartedly believe that. So I just wanted to sort of put that out there as like, yeah, pricing varies, but that's the reason it's going to be a little more than you would just pay for your own travel. Yeah, and I might just add one one last thing to that, not not just related to pricing, but it's kind of on, along the same lines. As you're as you're really looking into this, and that, that's sort of my my maybe main advice is research it, right? Really do your own investigations. Really have an get an idea of what it is that you're that you're looking at there, and maybe start by asking yourself, what do I want? What's important to me? What am I looking for? What matters to me more, right? How much does community matter to me? How much does flexibility matter to me, right? And once you've got that, you can then look at all of these things through that lens so that you understand that you're finding the thing that makes the most sense for you, right? And once you've got that, you're going to see that many of these, like all of these companies and communities have different things. There will be some things that some focus on more. And truly the reason why after all these years, there, there's only a handful that are left is because they focused on, they laser focused on a few specific things that they do well and have established a very specific, I guess, if you will, offering or just are speaking to a specific group of people. So what you want to try to do is ask yourself, how do I make sure that I'm clear about what I want? so that I am going to the right place where I will feel at home, comfortable, like I fit right in with the right group of people. 
right? And that part of the, the effort is on you, right? A lot of these organizations do a certain selection process and interview process as well, but ultimately it's up to you to make sure that you're doing your best to, to try to get into the, the place that'll make you happy, right? Well, that wraps up our list of seven digital nomad communities to make lifelong travel friends. And it's absolutely true. We've made lifelong travel friends and it's changed my life. It, it, it's been it's like something that's missing that you don't realize is missing until somebody hands it to you. You know, it's like, oh, here's some, here's some, here's a cup of water. You've been thirsty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get it. And it's, it's absolutely true. So I recommend everybody to, to visit each one of the websites and do some of your own research because we did our best to explain these companies, but some of them we haven't been on trips. A lot of them we haven't been on trips with. So we did our best to be objective and to give you the most information that we had available. But again, I do recommend that you do all of your own research, find out the prices and think about, again, on that spectrum, where do you lie? Are you looking for a long-term commitment where you want to forge these really deep bonds for a long time? Or are you just looking to dip your toes in the water? Do you just want to you know, book a Selena for a couple of days in Medellin and, and feel it out and see how it is? It, it's, it's really nice that those options are available. So that'll do it. Is, is there anything else from anybody else before we wrap up? Good. All good. Bye. Nice.